Welcome all my friends to the sweet spot where IT leaders share the insight with other leaders and others that want to lead. My name is Carlos Vargas and it's every week. I have my two co-hosts, Howard Holton and Paul Lewis. Hello guys. Hey there. How's it going? Very good. Testing a new Back mic. Full Wi-Fi. So we're all trying new gear today. So we're all techies. New <laughs> Wi-Fi. <laughs> new microphones. <laughs> new stuff. We're on the tech world. We're on the. I believe it's called the bandwagon. The bandwagon, right? I believe we're on yeah. the bandwagon. I've decided to have full internet today versus uh, hotel internet, which is less effective. Y yeah, yeah. Ho hotel internet is like giving salt water to to a man in the middle of the desert. <laughs> like technically, it's liquid, but you're gonna die. And that's kind of how I feel often trying to use Wi-Fi at hotels. This weekend, I'm going to experience Des Moines Hotel Wi-Fi. I wonder what that experience is going to be like. It, it, it'll either be like you can, you can, you'll hear the modem dialing in the other room, <laughs> or it'll be like like Google. You know, <laughs> right. like a location that has Google Fiber. There won't be anything <laughs> right. in between. It'll be amazing or horrible. Right. And, and it's and a I weekend say, downtown. I got to think it's not going to be that busy. Uh, yeah, I got to say. Um, like when I was in Middle America, and when I traveled through Middle America, those hotels had had the best Wi-Fi. Mm. And nobody right. uses it, so <laughs> right. <laughs> no, their phones still have a crank on the side of them. Right, exactly. <laughs> I I'm gonna make my way to the V Farmers 300 this weekend. Uh, okay. Kind of looking forward to it. Kind of not. But is that NASCAR or that's something it is else? IndyCar. And we're oh, familiar oh, with oh, IndyCar, oh. of course, because our past lives sponsored a significant amount of IndyCar races. That's true. That's true. Yep. I, I quite like Indy versus NASCAR or anything else. Or F1. Um, I like I like F1 better, but we don't get as much F1 here in the States. Yeah. Well, but, F1 is like like very it. international. India, obviously, is very U.S. This, this is unique in that it's a track Indy versus a street Indy. So it's it's oval. It's one big oval and kind of yeah. like NASCAR. Yeah, there's a lot of track track in it, like the Indianapolis 500. Yeah, probably the most. There's a new track for Formula One down here in Miami. A Formula One track, yeah, yeah. But it's more. It's not just an oval. It's got some no. curves yeah. and bends, right? Yeah. This is just an oval. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of just the ovals. Yeah. Like, it does have though. Go, come on. 50 food trucks. So I'm envisioning uh, sampling. I'm going to sample right. a variety of different foods. Well, now, now, how does that work with Tyrannosaurus arms? <laughs> Fortunately, it's me and three sales reps. So ah. I don't know if I have to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Seems unlikely that I'll be spending money, but right. I guess it's possible. Right. If I happen to be in my own for that hour. So then, is Indy, how is it different Indy from Formula One? I thought that was the same thing. No, 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 no. It's drastically different. Yeah. It, it, it actually, Indy is, Indy is very like American. Yeah. But the car, is it, does it? They, like no, if you were to look at pictures, they kind of look the same, but they're very different. The engines but, are different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the regulations the are different. The development different. is different. Like, yeah. yeah, where the control sits and how much control you have and how that control works. And like, like the only thing that's similar about it is they're both open wheel race cars. Right. 
they look vaguely the same. Yeah. And, and, and also very that perspective comes from... one's, one's not, right? Like one of them, you have to f- to conform to a certain set of specs where the other one, you're a little bit more, you know, flexibility. I'm not sure which is which though. I don't, I don't know that that's necessary. Like you hear about Formula One being tightly regulated more than you hear about Indy, but that has right. more to do with the amount of money that gets put into Formula One versus Indy. Indy doesn't have nearly the budget, right? Like it's, if I remember correctly, it's somewhere between 250 million and half a billion dollars to run an Indy or to run a Formula One team. And it's nowhere near that for an Indy team. Right. Right. Um, I I also want to say the highest paid athletes, not including endorsements, were were, uh, Formula One drivers. Ah. So it's a couple grand in a Walmart card. That's kind of what the. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Indy doesn't nearly have that, right? Um, NASCAR beats Indy. And NASCAR falls way short of Formula One, right? Um, but but you, you know they, they are both open wheel, very high speed, very high performance. You know, kind of twitchy. Um, you know, race cars where you know a focus on how do I get this thing to stick to the road better, and how do I reduce drag, and how do I get you know even more top speed out of it is very very different versus NASCAR where it's all the same. Like the goal of NASCAR is to reduce it down to as much of the driver as is humanly possible. Right. The goal of every other racing is it's like, it's more of a whole team sport. Hmm. Right. Right. Not to say that there's not an entire team behind every NASCAR team, but, but it's so NASCAR is so tightly regulated that it really does come down to the driver more than anything else. Right. Right. The driver's knowledge of the car, understanding of the car, down to how they feel about an individual tire and can they take, you know, 13 more laps or do they need to come into the pitch now? Right. Right. The only distinguishing factor is the decals on the car. That's kind of what you're saying. That's the goal. That's not the reality, (laughs) but that is the goal of NASCAR, right? The goal of NASCAR is the guy behind the wheel and the stickers on the car make the difference um, versus the tech itself, right? The the team is much more about, you know, uh, monitoring the tech rather than necessarily designing the tech. Right. You know, I don't want to minimize the amount of effort because because they're also pushing all of those pieces to the absolute limit of their of their potential over, you know, all, all of their all all NASCAR races are very, very long races. Right. So. Right. So I, I don't want to minimize the, the amount of effort and the amount of strain that's put on every single nut and bolt and and cylinder head and piston and injector that goes into it, although they might be carbureted. Um, but we've now exceeded what I know about now. <laughs> I was, I was pretty surprised how fast this race is. It's, uh, 300 laps, obviously, uh, 18 seconds a lap. Like it's only an hour 45, right? It's pretty fast. To race. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but, but there's all, more than one race, race right? What was that? Yeah, yeah. Cause there's way more than one race. They got different classes oh, yeah. and, different, and it just exactly. culminates in the indie race. Yeah. Exactly. There's qualifying, a whole bunch of things that you get to see and do, but the actual end race is pretty quick. Yeah, that's actually what I loved about going to see uh, 24 Hours of Daytona. Mm. Right, Because 24 Hours of Daytona, first off, it's a bunch of classes all on the same track at the same time. Right. And then all of them run for 24 hours. Like it's, <laughs> like it's one race with all those classes and all those cars, and you ain't winning if you don't complete 24 hours. Right. Right. And, and, and it's, it's, it's kind of insane. And it's, and it's really insane. Like you, you walk through the like, okay, cool. I could afford that car. You can't in that configuration, but you know what I mean? Like you see a a car model that you could in fact buy off the, off the shelf 
all the way up to like top end $300,000 streetcars. And then they get into the kind of custom built race purposed cars that go up to, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars, right. That are, that aren't street legal, that only do that. Um, And what was interesting to me was the disparity in speed. Like it wasn't, it, there was no dividing line where it was all the GT cars stopped and then it was all the race cars, Hmm. the race only cars, right. At like the, the blending of those two, the Venn diagram overlap of those two is pretty heavy. Obviously the dedicated, extremely high dollar, right. The, 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 the top class, which was one or a or something, those ones, they were infinitely faster. Like, like it was, they were so far ahead after the first lap that it was ridiculous. But the, the competitive competitiveness of the top GT cars, right. Your, your AMG GT3, your, or your AMG GT, your Porsche GT3, like those top tier street legal competition quality streetcars mm-hmm. were surprisingly good against most of the race classes. Interesting. And um, and it being twenty four hours was was freaking amazing, right? Could you imagine like your job is and it's a road track, right? So it's um, right. so it's got turns and stuff in it, and it's it's a banked road track. Um, so you, so you have the high speed bank, then you have the, you know, the, the, the road course turns and stuff, and you have to do that for four hours at a time. You know, thinking about so much racing, um, they have different ways, but at the end, they want to end in the, in the flag to see who wins. Is there a formula for how we should do a presentation or no. how do we deliver or get somewhere? No, there should never be a formula for how you do a presentation outside of hello, bona fides, content end. <laughs> right. Right. Like I'm, I'm not trying to make this hard for you for you for, for, for the transition, but but it is kind of the topic. Right. That's uh, the yeah. So, so, Paul, you had an, an interesting observation that we all just kind of went, yeah. <laughs> so I have, an, I have an observation. So I'm watching a keynote this morning, thinking to myself, I'm not inspired by this conversation. It is, it lacks, it lacks bringing me any particular attention or value beyond the words that I'm seeing on the screen or the speaker that they have. And as I'm sort of receiving this, formulaic presentation i thought across a variety of other keynotes and you know reflect and observe that it's it's pretty close to the same right so the formula seems to be hi i'm paul lewis and here's my credentials or hi i'm paul lewis you should already know who i am right either one of those and then you know part one is here is a series of high-level technology trends to which are relatively meaningless and prescribe no effective solution for you personally. So, you know, cloud is good. Uh, cloud creates agility. You should focus on being more secure. You should uh, deliver faster production. Like nothing there. It's any, you know, any wow or whiz bang. That's part one. Part two is we build a bunch of technology and we sell a bunch of technology and they're divided into five categories. I'm going to go through each category, talk to you about a whiz bang feature that we're about to release 
immediately then tell you a client that used it and created value out of it, even though it's not quantifiable in any way. <laughs> Rinse and repeat for all five categories. And then at the very end, the call to action is, and you can do this too. <laughs> Presentation over. That's, yeah, that's pretty consistent. I don't know if, what you guys think. Yeah, I mean, that's not just limited to keynotes, though, if we're being honest, right? Right. Like that's a that's a pretty standard presentation, tech presentation style. Um, right. So here I'm going to tell you about a thing. I'm going to use language given to me by marketing that has no discernible meaning whatsoever or is patently false, but no one listens. Like cloud creates agility. I know I've heard that. <laughs> and it is patently false. The right. cloud doesn't create anything. Agility comes from process and people. Technology is at best an enabler. Right. So it is easier to be an agile organization utilizing the cloud properly than it is to do it using traditional data center, kind of mm. the old fashioned way. You can screw both those up in multiple ways. I would also argue you can be totally, you can be perfectly agile for your needs in a data center properly designed, but, but, but cloud at best is an enabler, never doesn't actually create anything. Um, so I know I've heard that, but, but you know, you kind of, you kind of hear those things over and over again, right? Oh, here, this is the thing that did an awesome thing, which you can't do. Um, here's a feature that, that we're super excited about that we never asked anybody if they would actually use. And one customer, <laughs> this guy here who I'm about to tell you about, thought it was awesome. Right. right. And then made up, made up, made up stats, followed by, yeah, you could do it too, which is not a call to action. There's no action associated with that. Right. Other than you need to catch up to these interesting stories I just talked about. Right. Right. Versus how does it feel to be behind? If you, if you don't want to be behind, come talk to us. Like that's a call right. to action. There's some, there's an action associated with it. You can do this too is not an action. Right. Could, could it so, be a, a special for a special audience? Is that like that? Let's say the tech will be inspired by that versus a leader, like a CIO, CTO, CS, CISO. I mean, like, can that be the like yes, the, yes the audience no, but, trying to go for? But no, because they're not. It's the problem is the people writing the content have never been practitioners, nor do they understand what the practitioner actually wants or needs or how they would use the technology. Right. Right. Like the number of times somebody's talked about a tech and I go, no one would use that that way. That's not the problem they're trying to solve. And they go, what do you mean? We're selling the hell out of it. I, I get it. I get it. But you're not asking the right question and you're forcing the customer to ask the right question of themselves to then make the decision rather than actually helping the customer do the right thing. I find these keynotes are very, very presumptuous, right? So in the first part, the presumption is, A, you already know who I am, and therefore I'm. you should believe what I say. It, it shouldn't be true, but I, I see it all the time, right? Presumption number two is, I'm going to talk about a bunch of these trends with the presumption that you know what the words mean. So if I say digital transformation is a good thing, yeah, worse you than already that. know that that's true. Well, it's worse than that because I'm yeah. going to say digital transformation. I'm not going to tell you what it means. And I'm going right. to assume you know not what it means, what I mean by it. Right. And mm. I got to think that's intentional. I got to think they, the, the goal is to say, 
I'm going to use these words that you've already described in your own head. And therefore, I don't want to contradict you by giving you a definition. <laughs> um, it feels I, like it's purpose. I, I actually think it's the secret handshake that very few or if anybody knows. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like you get up on stage and you say digital transformation, digital transformation, digital transformation, but you don't know what it actually means. Right. But everybody else says it. And so you feel like you have to say it and you just kind of go, yeah, of course I know what a TPS report is. <laughs> right. You, you know what I mean? Like, like right. it, that's what it feels like to me. And when I ask, and, and uh, so I have a story about that exact term. So I went to a, I went to a conference by a major vendor who said digital transformation, digital transformation, digital transformation, but defined it like on a standup, you know, the, the, the marketing thing, right? The right. display um, defined what they meant by it. And it was this like infographic, very simple, sure. very straightforward, but that's what they meant by digital transformation. It was an end user conference. So it was all focused on the end user. Yeah. So then I go to this uh, cab customer advisory board, right? The marketing clown gets up on stage and gives <laughs> his thing. And I said, okay, now wait a minute. What do you mean by digital transformation? And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, you use this term Right? right. It's, it does not appear in the Oxford English Dictionary. So it's somewhat made up. Can you define what it means to you? Because it doesn't mean the same thing to everyone else. Right. This vendor defined it this way because that's who they address and that's how they address it. So what does it mean to you? Right. And he stumbled. And then someone else from the audience went, someone who worked for this vendor said, I can do it. I said, fantastic. Go for it. What right. you mean right now? Yes. I mean, you just said you could do it. I mean, right now <laughs> I mean, it's in your slide. It's part of your slide deck. Why can you not define this? Right. Right. And that was not an uncommon occurrence. That was not a one time occurrence. So. So, yes, making up lexicon is weird. It's also weird that tech people don't introduce themselves when if they if Robert De Niro was the speaker, they would start with. An award winning actor who appeared in such films as. Right. It's true. Who does not need the introduction. <laughs> Right. Like when Simon Sinek comes up to speak at a keynote, it's the award, the, the, the blah, blah, best blah, best-selling author of 12 books that we've all read. Right. right? The most quoted person on any business forum is Simon Sinek. I don't, right. he doesn't need an intro. And yet when somewhat obscure tech person who thinks they're a genius up on, up on stage, crickets. Right. 100% true. Right? Like, I need more bona fides from you than I do anybody. And the fact that you got a degree 40 years ago, not what I care about. <laughs> right. Right. What is a smart thing you've actually said? Not what is a, like a PhD teaches you to regurgitate. And I'm sorry for all of, all of you that have a PhD. It stands for posterior head disorder. Um, it doesn't, it really like a 40 year old PhD in this field is not going to impress me. Impress me with something you've actually done. Right. Right. And the fact that you were at these companies is also not impressive. <laughs> I worked here for 55 years. Right, right, right. Now I wrote the core code for data handling within Silicon OS. Yeah. Right. Now I know what you do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like so part one, my preference not only is exactly what you say, give me some bona fides that are relevant to me, but part B, I'd rather have them describe a unique perspective point of point of view or an accurate description of these words versus either not describing them or being pedantic about it right or, or just pandering you, know, you mean 
pandering yeah to to the audience and and hoping that you understand what they mean i'd yeah, rather case, i'd rather disagree with them i, I right. find disagreeing more interesting than than not knowing yep so yep. where was i like some consultant brought in a person to talk to us about a subset of digital transformation and it wasn't like it wasn't dx but it was something that that person did that was that started from DX, but then they executed a piece sure. and they started talking about digital transformation. And I'm like, yeah, that's none of that is digital transformation. You're just digitizing. Like right. they defined it, they talked through it. And I'm like, that's not at all digi digital transformation. But when they got into, but now, but at least I was engaged. And while the, once they got into like what they did and how they executed, I was like, oh, this person's totally correct. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. cause I, I don't need to, like, I didn't get up and walk out of the room. I didn't, I didn't throw my hands up. I didn't nothing. I just went, this is not correct, but right. that's not the part they're there to really speak about. It's just the foundation for the thing that's important for them to speak about. And once they spoke about what they were really good at, they were really good at it. And I and agree. You, your point, I right? can forgive the words if they've described it in such a way that I now understand the rest of the content. Correct. At least, yeah. and at least understanding like what they what they mean by it. I'm like I can at least get on the same page, right? Especially if that like if if they're going to stand up and teach what is digital transformation, then we do kind of need to agree on what digital transformation is. But if they're instead going to talk about something tangential to it, then I'm good. We can we can be flexible on that. But but at least yeah, define it. Right. And that's it's kind of the setup for part two, right? Part one is here's a bunch of problems in your space. Part Two, part B is here's a bunch of technology to solve those problems. But they don't often align either. And that's the funny part. No, it's you, actually like, very like, rare. Here's a problem in your space. Okay, cool. So that's your why? Well, no, 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 no. That's just, it was, just, it was actually accidental that we were able to solve a part of that problem because we didn't really plan on solving that problem. We just came up with a neat idea and then built it and hoped we could solve a problem. Is it right. effectively what it works out to be? Right, because the old part A was let's talk about digital transformations and you need cloud, you need data, you need security, and then let me go through my portfolio of cloud, data, and security. Right, that was it. That, that right. was it's the amazing. Bridge. It's amazing that those things aligned that way. <laughs> That's right. So exactly. So right. part and B, my problem with part B is there is a presumption that I know every single product and technology that they serve, that I'm at least familiar enough with them that I would appreciate whether this new feature they're announcing is fundamentally better than what it was before. Sure. And while that might be true, it, it might be true superficially that I have appreciation of what they sell, certainly not to the feature detail. And even well, if I were an expert in one of the categories and one of the products, that does not make me a feature expert in any of the other categories in any of the other products. Sure. Sure. I, so I, you I might appeal say... to me for five minutes, but not for an hour and a half. I, I will also say, um, don't, don't your key, the keynote should be an acronym free zone. Right. Uh, I realize you don't want to say zero trust network access over and over and over again. So don't, but don't say D ZTNA. Right. Right. Don't say SSA. Don't say SSAE. Don't say SAFE. Don't say just, it's an acronym free zone. Right. Right. Unless you really want to start defining acronyms and then use it four times and then you, and then define it again and then use it four times that gets old. So just don't use acronyms. And dear God, if you made it up, up an acronym and you use that in your keynote, we should be allowed to throw tomatoes at you. <laughs> right. 
That being said, I have in fact seen a presentation. It wasn't a keynote, but it was a presentation where there are two screens. Screen center, screen to the side. And as this person mentioned acronyms, the acronym and its definition showed up on the other screen. Totally acceptable. That was awesome. Like it was like, yeah, well, now I awesome. understand what's happening. Right. Like, like especially if you get, like, I would totally, I would love to do that. Especially if you gave me a like a Steam Deck, right. and each button had an acronym on it, and as I hit it, it made it bold. That would you know be what cool. I mean? Like, or use voice recognition. So, so right. when I said it, it just made it bold. Right. Right. The the point is, anyone should be able to join your talk at any time and within a keyframe understand what you're getting to. Like, right. like they should be able to catch up and follow along. And we have a tendency in tech, and I, I'm sure they do it in other fields, but we're talking tech, where if you don't catch the first three minutes, you are lost in an hour and a half mm. talk. Not that any talk should ever be in an hour and a half, but you're just lost. Right. Right. And then you can't recover, and then you can't get it back, and you can't leave because you'd be lost in every other talk. That's right. Right. So now you're stuck kind of like it kind of starts to feel a little bit like a riptide at some point. Have you guys ever been caught in riptide and at the, yep. at the beach you know? kind of grabs you and bangs you at the bottom. And then you're, you start to come up and you're like, oh, I'm going to be OK. And then it bangs you at the bottom again. <laughs> and then you get out of it and you're totally disoriented. And you're like, where is I see the beach, but this isn't my beach. Where is my beach? And you obviously and you start walking the wrong direction. That's what it feels like every time at one of these things. Right. Right. Like like seriously, dude, you're on stage. You're not it's not you're not supposed to, you know, um, uh, what's the what's the what's the term where you try to confuse the stump the chump? You're not supposed to stump the chump to the whole audience. Right. Right. And it often feels like we're just going to be punitive if you didn't catch the first 30 seconds. <laughs> right. You now have no context for the rest of the conversation because that one diagram I showed that I hope you took a picture of. Because I'm going to reference right. it constantly using words, but never the picture. Yep. Should the keynote be to educate or to pique your interest so then you go to someone else's session to yeah. go deep, like you were saying? Which one should, should it be? Both. Okay. It should do both. It should, it should excite and educate or excite and illuminate. But I don't right. think it, doesn't it should have reference like every single announcement. It shouldn't preview every announcement that's going to happen no. in the next three days. No, no, no. That's why I said illuminate, not educate, right? It should excite right. and illuminate, right? It should excite you and get you motivated. And it should give you some, like, it, it should open a door in your mind and shine a light on something in a way that it wasn't shined on it before. Right. And that could be a product, that could be a vision, that could be a strategy, that could be a market segment, that could be... It could be something that you routinely do, right? That 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 you shouldn't do or that you do do, right? Um, I had a conversation earlier today about inside versus outside advice and why psychologically it's different and why right. the exact same thing coming from someone else is different, right? Um, if I heard it in a keynote, it would have been great because it, it talked about something in a way that we all know, reflected something that we all do, reflected something we all hate, and yet we're also likely an external expert and benefit from it. Right. Um, and, and like, so I, I don't know why keynotes don't do that. I don't know why keynotes feel like if you're only going to go to one talk, this one tells you everything you need to know. And that's often how they feel. The best keynotes don't do that. The memorable keynotes, they have a really, really good speaker who's speaking personally about the reason everyone came to the location, not the room. Right. So that you're excited to hear what other insights you can get 
from all the other speakers. Right. If all I have to do is show up for the keynote, I don't, I don't actually need to be there at all. Yeah. I kind of don't want an expert at the keynote. I kind of want somebody to inspire and motivate me to want to learn about other things they're talking about. Which, which brings me to part B of, sorry, the second half of the second part. Here's a controversial statement. I believe customer success stories are equivalent to employee, employment references. <laughs> I think they're meaningless drivel who will only show the positive side of an experience when what I'd rather have is a customer story that showcased what was difficult as much as what was what went well. And I'm less interested on the outcome right. because the outcome is rarely quantifiable. Right, right, right. So, yeah. so yes, I'm with you. I don't like typical customer success stories. I, like a good customer success story talks about the pluses and minuses, right? And does things like, um, okay, so we did this. I'm, I'm happy. I would happily buy again. I would happily do it again. Okay, cool. That's the whole story. But I would recommend that if you are going to do this, we had this problem and overcame it this way. We had this problem, overcame it this way. We had this problem, overcame it this way. Were I to do it again, I would know to do these things in a different order or a different way, or I wouldn't try to implement it to do this. I would implement it to do this. You know what I mean? Here's yes. the lessons I learned that actually turned it into a value. Right. And entirely too often, well, entirely too often, the customer is not a good presenter or a good storyteller and doesn't understand that, that conflict and tension make a good story. Hmm. Right. And otherwise it's a children's every, even, even a children's book has conflict. <laughs> Think right. of your favorite children's book. All of them had conflict. Right. Right. All of them created tension. And then think to your, to, to every keynote you've seen. The only, uh, think how many keynotes you've seen. The yeah, only one. It's, the end scene the of it's a wonderful life. Every single. Yeah. But, but it's a wonderful life had, had so much tension. <laughs> right. Right. They just they just went to the last part. They went to the to everybody sitting under the Christmas tree and the bell rung. Right. And angel got its wings. You can too. Right. Right. The like, conflict free zone. If, right. And and it's like, no, 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 no. I, I know it. I, like I've already I already know that to be false. I know that to not to, to completely be lacking in verisimilitude. It doesn't feel real because it has no conflict. And I've never done a project that didn't have conflict. Right. Right. And so, so give me that, give me the full story Then I'm engaged right now. I'm interested. Now I'm excited. Now I want to do that. And you've given me the cheat code. The cheat code right. wasn't by the thing. The cheat code was, here's all the roadblocks you ran into. Cool. Now I could buy the thing knowing I have the cheat codes. What I also find irrelevant or at least less helpful is user story, not user stories, case studies that are edge cases, right? Um, I, I, I required 300,000 transactions per second. Uh, I, I'm sending things up to space. I, you know, all the, all the edge cases where it isn't a corporate technology issue to which all of um, my issues are. So, so I think there's a time and place for all those edge case stories. And that's at a conference dedicated to those edges. <laughs> right. <laughs> right like 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 if if if, but it if is i don't a, have a exabyte problem i don't have a quantum computing problem you know right like <laughs> those go well beyond 
any of the issues that I have. So why is it relevant to tell me about it? Uh, it's well that hmm, I think some of those are very interesting. Sure, but you are correct in that they are not relevant. <laughs> yeah, right. Like you're never going to make me a buyer because you were able to sustain a wireless link with the ISS. Right. Right. So if or ISIS. Um, like, <laughs> so I don't. Either way. You, you know what I mean. Either way, it's an edge case that I don't have any need for, and therefore, you know, I don't care. And and I think this is a problem that 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 comes up frequently. Um, okay, so back in like 2000, there was the first kind of instant digital camera. And it was wicked popular. Kind of every kid wanted one. Everybody kind of had one. And they took like a grainy 320 by 320 picture. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you remember those days? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, and, it, and it was like this square thing that didn't look like a camera. And it had one button. And it took to terrible right. videos. And, it, and, and like it was just garbage. It was just yeah. hot garbage. And the Wall Street Journal or Newsweek or a, a respected magazine wrote an article on we have entered the good enough economy. Right. It talked about MP3s and it talked about this camera and it talked about a bunch of other things that were just objectively terrible at what they did. An MP3 is a terrible representation, especially at the time the bitrate was real low, a terrible representation of audio fidelity. Right. It wasn't hi-fi. Right. This camera was a terrible representation of reproducing life in still form or video form. Like it did that for probably four different things that were wildly popular. And it said the problem is. All of us that work in those things assume the problem is fidelity. Hmm. That's not the problem. The problem is, is it good enough? If I need to take a picture of something so that I have a thing that triggers my memory that I can share with other people that were there and maybe some people who, want, who weren't, then I don't actually need the high fidelity because they're going to use their memory to do it. I'm not, I'm not displaying it in my hallway. That right. would be bizarre, right? It's purpose built to deliver on us to a specific purpose that fidelity isn't the goal, right? If I'm jogging, I don't care about fidelity. I've got horns honking. I've got the sounds of other people. I kind of need the environment to intrude. And therefore, MP3s are good enough because high fidelity is not important, right. right? If I'm driving my car, MP3s are plenty good enough because, well, they're better than the radio. And I've got horns honking. I've got the sound of the engine. I've got wind noise. I've got people in the car, a conversation, you know what I mean? All these things. And I think we miss that in tech. So I'm, I'm bringing it around, right? We seem to think being the best has value. Right. And it, for me, it has no value because I don't need the best. I need good enough for my particular application. Right. And I promise if my application is the most difficult in the world, I will tell you. Right. You'll be the lead. Like, don't show up if you can't do 4 million IOPS in a single frame. <laughs> right. Right. Like, there's four companies in the world that need that number of IOPS in a single frame. Right. And we've built so much technology around distributed processing that it, why would it need to be in a single frame? Why would I connect all that to a single frame ever now? Right. You know what I mean? Like, like, so I don't need you to be the best. I, I need you to be good enough and to be my partner. Right. Like be good enough and convince me that, that I will be successful if I pick you. Those are the two things I need. I don't need a third thing. The best isn't one of the two things. So instead of giving me a edge, positive only uh, uh, customer story for every single feature and function I'm about to release for the next hour and a half, I'd rather have 
four really interesting IT problems, everyday IT problems, and tell me the good, bad, and different and how you were able to be successful. That would be more compelling to me. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And sure, I'll probably attend some Maverick sessions that are that are way on the edge, right? That are way in the future because it's intellectually appealing. Right. <laughs> but, but that's on the edge for me. So therefore, it should be on the edge for you. Right. Well, right. Don't waste the time of the keynote. Like, like it's cool to go. Um, we were able to sustain a gigabit wireless transmission to ISIS and or to, to ISS and okay. transfer, you know, uh, season three of Stranger Things. I don't, right. Season four. Sorry. Season four is current. So season four of Stranger Things. So right. the astronauts on, on the ISS could 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 be caught up with everybody's favorite show. Like, <laughs> but, but then end it. I, you don't need to right. talk anymore. Like, okay, cool. You could call that a bona fide. Right. And then just move on and now give me something I can use. Right. That's not like, likely the reason why I'd buy that product no. <laughs> with that feature. No, no, no. It's not NASCAR. It can do that thing. Yeah. Right, right. It's not NASCAR. I'm not gonna call, I'm I'm not gonna go into my boardroom and go, it's the same Wi-Fi that the space station uses. <laughs> right. they're, they're gonna go, who the fuck cares? Like that, that's not something I remotely care about. I'm not paying for that. Yeah, no, exactly. no. How much more are we paying for that? Would be the first thing my CFO would say. Would be the first thing my chairman would say. Right. Are we paying extra for that? Like, is this the most expensive? We don't need the most expensive. Maybe scale it back a bit, buddy. Right. Right. So we're just going to Akron. We don't. We don't. Right. 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 <laughs> and we're already in Cleveland. Right. You know what I mean? And we don't want to be in either place. So. Yeah. So good. So we agree that uh, they're fundamentally flawed, big technology keynote, and they should make some adjustments to affect more inspiration and motivation amongst the audience. Yeah. Does it make a difference if it's on a big conference versus an internal event? I don't think so. No. Because you're not yeah. going to help a sales team by by spending 45 minutes talking about how you got Wi-Fi to, to the ISS. Right. I keep wanting to say ISIS. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, I only mean the International Space Station. Right? But, but like, that doesn't help anybody sell anything. No. Especially considering it only appeals to the ISS. And since you have the story, they've already bought. Right. You know what I mean? The repeatability is now zero. Right. You, they've, you've already sold it. It's, there's so nothing else. You have a lot of rest of the customers left. Right. And you're not going to help the sales team by filling their heads with the idea that they can go tell that story to a CIO who's going to go, I don't freaking care. Right. Right. Like, like I'm not, and I'm not paying for you to develop technology to send it to space. Right. <laughs> right. I just, uh, really, I just need this one hallway that doesn't have current coverage to have coverage. Like, I just need my manu my warehouse and manufacturing facility to have coverage without it costing me a million dollars per warehouse. Like, right? You know, my needs are my needs are reasonable. I don't I don't know why you would bring that up. <laughs> right. Exactly. And yet, right? So, so no. So I think I think you know, make it make it actionable. Right? Like, I'd really and if you and if you want to get if you, if you want to get specific, cool. Tell me four stories from four different industries about how you solved a totally normal problem that is somewhat unique to that industry. Sure. Right. How did you protect patient records at a hospital? 
yeah. right? How did you how did you give visibility to supply chain in manufacturing? How did you reduce dropped calls for telcos? Right, like you know, how did you reduce? As long as it's in? not all roses, right? There's some dirt there, right? So let's talk about the dirt too. Right. But yeah, yeah, I want the flower and the thorn. I'm cool right. with roses, but I want the thorns, right? Right. Like, because we all know they're there. So stop trying to whitewash it. <laughs> right. And it's interesting if you're able to solve it. Like, that, oh. help, that helps me. All right. Yeah. And, and it's interesting if you solved it together. Right. Like, that's the important part. Because if you solved it together, it tells me, like, you're getting, now you're getting closer to that partner thing. Right. If you didn't solve it together, we're not partners. It's you, you either did it yourself, in which case, Maybe I was even unaware of it, or I had to figure it out, in which case you were vacant. Tell me about how you solve those problems together. That's a really good story and one I want to hear. I know there's going to yeah, be it's a, it's a big constraint problem because, you know, we've all led IT and we've said to ourselves, I can't do this thing because name five reasons, right? I have people constraints, I have skill sets constraints, I have budget constraints, I have a whole bunch of things, regulatory constraints. Yep. But if you're now going to tell me a story that overcame one or two of those constraints. Great. Now, now I can do that. That, that makes sense. Yeah. I probably could capitalize that instead of making an operating expense. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I, I'll go um, up to you afterwards and ask you how you were able to capitalize it. Yeah. No, I used to tell a story about a big NAS migration I did from California to Denver when the company relocated. And there wasn't anything I could really like, I can't, you can't beat physics. Right. And so it was going to take a very like 33 days or something to move the data that I cared the most about. Right. And I had to have all of it. Like I'd had, I'd have the complete corpus. I couldn't have pieces of it. Right. Um, it. It's, it was that, that piece was relatively proprietary to my business. Most of the time, if you have a corpus that's that large, you could, you could have some of it and it would be okay. In our case, mm -hmm. we couldn't, we couldn't, it was all or nothing. And we were eight or nine days in when I, it was Thanksgiving day and I went before dinner to check on the status and found the migration job had was gone and wow. all the data up to that point was gone. Wow. Gone, gone. So I immediately started raising red flags on Thanksgiving, right? Come to find out the engineer that the company was using to do the work because we'd contracted with the vendor and the engineer that they were using thought he, he figured out a smarter way to do it. Didn't communicate it at all, killed it, deleted it, and then lied that he deleted it and said wow. that must've been a bug. It took took twenty four hours or something or so to figure that out. That went all the way up to to uh, obviously to my CEO, and went all the way up to their CEO, and they asked me, "What do you want done?" And I said, "He lied. I want him fired." Right. I don't care about the loss of time. I could recover from that, and I don't have a choice now. I'm going to recover from that. Right. I care about the lie. I will not have anybody on my account. I want him fired. It's the only time right. I've ever done. That. And they did. Right. Uh, about a week and a half later. We're doing another migration, different file system, not nearly as big. Um, and the um, engineer goes, hey, on the, the, the thing we're copying to, which is offline. So the, on the offline thing, we've got to do, we just had a new release. Um, I think it'll fix some other issues we saw. I'm going to do an update. Is that cool? Yeah, sure. Go for it. It's offline. Right. I get a, I get a, a callback followed by, any, by a notification. And it was 25 minutes or something. Hey, um, I got an email actually that said, hey, uh, I screwed up. And when I went to reboot the offline node, I rebooted the online. Hmm. And it was a shutdown, not a reboot. Right. So someone's going to have to go to the data center and turn it back on kind of thing. 
Right. And the data center was like, I didn't, we, we had, we were in a corporate relocation. So I had very, I had a skeleton crew left behind right. 45 minutes of downtime during the day. Thanks. Right. So immediately my leadership is going, I want him off, blah, 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 blah. And I went, no, absolutely unequivocally not. Right. And they're like, well, why? I said, you have to fire me too. I said, it was a simple mistake. It was literally a dialogue box that could be missed by anybody. It was a, it right. was a, it was an honest mistake. Immediately he fessed up to it. Immediately we started recovering it. Any one of our guys could have done exactly the same thing. He took ownership of it. Additionally, He's the best person at this. Without him, this doesn't. This project doesn't get completed for six months. We cannot wait six months. Therefore, you have no choice. He yeah. will stay. He will be still be attached to the account. He's one hundred percent forgiven, and we're moving on. Yeah, the likelihood he learned his lesson is incredibly high. But plus, <laughs> I just got all the loyalty in the world. Right. Exactly. Right. I, I, I talked to his leadership and made sure he didn't get his butt kicked for it. Right. I explained to his leadership why that was good and how I would be upset if there was any punitive action taken against him. Right. Nice. Cause I, cause he just, cause he took ownership of it. I don't like, yeah, it really sucked that I had a 45 minute downtime that ended up being about an hour and a half. That really sucked. No two ways about it. That right. hurt my business in a meaningful way. But at the same time, nobody died. You know what I mean? My yeah. customers were a little bit, they whinged about it a little bit, but not very much. Right. And we just kind of went, this is how, like, stuff happens. Like, we're just going to move right. on. And we're no in the midst of migration, so it'll be better when it's done. Right. Right. And those are the kind of things I want to hear in a keynote. Those are the kind of customer stories yeah. I want to hear. Yeah. That's compelling. I agree. <laughs> Carlos? Well, I think that the cheat code for a great keynote is understanding what audience wants, bring them into the challenges that you had so you can learn from that. Not just the roses, like you said. The thorns are also important. So my friends, it's been awesome to see you again. Make sure that you share, you subscribe, and we'll see you on our next episode.